0: <laughs> All right. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Systems of Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, no Flight. Today, we have another very special guest with us today. He's co-founder and CEO of Curb Hero. He's actually not too far from me, Jay at a SoCal native. Very, very cool. Um, very excited to have him on today talking software, marketing, everything in mortgage and real estate, talking entrepreneurship. It's AJ Pondicherry. AJ, thank you so much for joining me today. What's up, man? Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. From the jump, I wanted to say I love what you're doing with Carpenter. i was spending a lot of time going through the platform, going through the program. I, I think it's anybody that is serving this client base because obviously I'm real estate and mortgage is just my jam. This is what I'm doing. So anybody serving this customer base at a super high level is a-okay in my book. So super super cool. I'm, I'm excited to dive into the journey, the product, what you guys are solving for, just how you're thinking about like the market and just in general and just business and entrepreneurship. So yeah, man, super, super excited to have you on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been an awesome journey. I'm sure we have a lot in common. I'm excited to share it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was funny. We were talking about some of the random things that we have in common before, uh, before we jumped on today. So yeah, I think this is going to be a real fun episode. So the way that I like to start these podcasts and I, uh, if you've seen some of the other ones, you know, this is always the question I like to start with because I've struggled with this and I continue to struggle with it, but it's just, it's a fun conversation starter almost in a sense, but like the the way that i would frame this is like let's say you're meeting somebody for the first time you're at a dinner party right and someone's like hey like well, what do you do what's what's your what's your job or what's your business sort of something like that like how do you how do you answer that what do you say when people ask you what you do
1: well i probably <clears throat> i think the way that i think about it is i'm a builder like i love building technology products i love building just really useful software and I get a kick out of solving problems and the bigger problem, the better, the more satisfaction I get out of it. Mm. Um, that's kind of, at least in this phase, that, that's where everything has been headed, which is just looking at problems that I can see or, you know, people I know or an industry can see and, and seeing if there's if, if there's a worthwhile business in solving it. Mm-hmm. And I did that while working for other companies. You know, that's how I kind of got stuck on the, or not stuck, but started on the product track, just... As a product manager, and then moving up the ranks, and you just are always looking for a bigger problem, whether it's in e-commerce, or I was in live entertainment for a little bit, affiliate marketing, and then now in you know real estate and mortgage and prop tech. Um, that's what I get a kick out of. It's kind of nerdy, and uh, you know, it's maybe not exactly what I'd say at a cocktail party, because then someone would just you know basically turn around, who <laughs> to talk to next. But at least, <laughs> that's my internal model.
0: I love it. Well, you're safe. You can bring that stuff to me because you know I'm gonna nerd out and geek on that stuff. I mean, my my sign off on this podcast is to all my builders. I salute you. Like those are my people. That is it. Like that is my type of people, dude. I love that because I mean, this is something that I have like on my notes that we'll talk about in a little bit. But it's one of like my core beliefs around business. That so much of that starts with like being almost like self aware enough or recognizing a problem that you either have like for yourself and that's what you try to solve. And then all of a sudden you start to realize that like other people in the marketplace have the same problem and that turns into the business, but it always starts from like a core of like leading with giving to get solving problems and just coming with that approach. I mean, I think that's just like, it's so pure. Like when you're, when you're coming in that sense.
1: For sure. Yeah. And it's also validating because it's like you at least know you're solving one person's problem and chances are, unless you're just, so, you know, in the other direction, you know, you, there's probably other people with the same problem. So it's, it's both, you know, giving and in a way selfish
0: as well. It's kind of, yes, cool that you very much. That's great. That's awesome. So let's go back a little bit. So you had said kind of like what you're, you touched on a little bit, like kind of the journey of where you are with launching Curpio and what you guys are working on now. And a big part of the mission behind this podcast was always like, We, as me, I'm. this is kind of like my own selfish reason for doing the podcast, right? It's like me being young, like I can look at entrepreneurs that have a decade or more of experience on me and I can see the effect of what like starting a business and taking risks and building a team and doing all those things looks like, but like not, a lot of us don't take the time to understand like the cause of what gets somebody there. And so I always like to explore like, what was the path? What was the journey? What were like the turning points? What were the hard decisions to make? And so let's just go back a little bit and kind of talk about the path of you just as an entrepreneur. Like, did that start, like, did you have that as a, at a young age? Like, this is what I was going to do. Did you have like kind of mentors that showed you, like, how did you get your start just almost in like your own kind of personal or professional career? where did that come from?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't know if I had it at at an early age, like some people have it, you know, where they're doing the whole thing, you know, they're, they're, selling you know lemonade they're winning every yeah, like, right <laughs> cool like contest and when they're you know all that but I definitely had a bug in me where I liked the independence of being mm-hmm. able to you know call my own shots and bet on myself and but I also didn't have that kind of that wasn't built into me, at least from my parents, because neither of them were entrepreneurs. They were more about like the security of working for someone else. Yep. Um, and and I, I like that as well. And so uh, for me, I spent the first couple of chapters in my career really just trying to find myself in either a industry or a company that I was really excited about and just try and grow myself within that company. Yes. But always yes. in the back of my mind, because I kind of I stumbled into technology um, which we can get into that too. It's kind of a, a funny story, but um, after doing that, then I was just put into contact with all of these really amazing and um, driven entre- entrepreneurial types that either had started companies, went on to start companies or be you know, C-level executives at very large companies. And they kind of built, built that kind of entrepreneurial drive into me more. And then when I got the opportunity to actually go and start my own company, then I I felt like okay now I feel like I've got the right skill set um, I've got a network to tap into now I just need that problem to solve you know some a reason to to build a product and build a company
0: that's awesome I think like it's it's I, I like starting with a question like that because I think that's where a lot of people struggle is just getting started right like taking that first step and I I I've said this in previous episodes because that's where my career started first as well is like I had a nine to five typical job, right? Which so many people poo poo, which I I don't, I'm not really one to do that because I think it gave me, I said it in a, in a recent episode, like it gave me a ton of reps and it gave me like a, uh, almost like a real life playground to like hone my learning. And I love like the idea of like, I don't know where to start. It's like get directionally correct and pursue something that like you're curious about and that like <laughs> you are interested in that gets you excited because then the path will start to reveal itself and being in a, Environment like that, again, it gives you a ton of reps. It's a lot of learning. Like, I was just listening to Ryan Holiday, who's the Daily Stoke guy, right? I was listening to him today, and he was like, one of his lessons was, you know, he kept his full time job when he published, I think it was his first like three books. He's like, I wouldn't have been able to think long term and take those types of decisions or make those decisions if I didn't have the security of the money coming in. And I think that's so cool because it does give you the exposure to like people doing things at a really high level. You can like, if you're pursuing it of almost like a learning, like the business is the vehicle to like hone the learning while you're always thinking in the background of like, what's the problem that's going to be big enough for me to then take it and jump on, on my own. I, I really, really like that sentiment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it too. I mean, yeah. What you said about just the learning and and not having to learn everything from scratch, because I found, you know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you're just diving into a problem and there's tons of resources out there now. So it's, yeah, it's probably right. a little bit easier to get up to speed, but at the same time, research takes time and if you're in a company and you know that there's people that are, you know, a players in that particular department, it's just like boom, you you've got an answer or at least a short list of answers to pretty much any problem you could deal with. Yes, and then that sets the foundation.
0: Yes, hundred percent. So let's talk. Let's let's talk about that funny story stumbling into technology. I want to I want to hear that story.
1: Well, so I uh, originally I was I was I I majored in uh, computer engineering, and so. You know, as an Indian kid, at least in my family, there were two options, doctor or engineer. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure quite a few people can relate to that. It, like business, law, all those respectable careers, they were not options for me. So I had to pick between the two. And so I and I did already love computers. You know, I was like a gamer early on and I always had, you know, the computers growing up and but so I figured that, you know, the computer engineering path was definitely for me. Plus I couldn't stand the side of blood and like the surgery channel is like my <laughs> worst nightmare <laughs> if it ever turned on, you know? And so I was like, I'm going to go down the medical route. Um, and so I just, I went down the path on computer engineering and I realized that it wasn't motivating me. I think it was maybe just, you know, it's like when you think you want to learn something, but you're exposed to like, oh, now we have to study the theory of this thing you're interested in. And you're just like, you just ruined it for me. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm no longer interested in anything technology wise. And I even remember telling myself, you know, I'm never going to do anything software related. Like,
0: wow. And, and, wow. And, and,
1: and I, and I was, and I got awful grades and my most hated class was also the earliest class that I ever had in college. And so, I straight up flunked that class and it was a prerequisite for every, every step of the computer engineering major. And so from pretty much quarter one, I, I knew I needed to change majors, but I was also careful to pick a major that wasn't going to fully disappoint, you know, my parents. So yes. chemistry was the happy medium that I picked because it was just enough science. Um, and it still came kind of gave that glimmer of hope that, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe he'll become a doctor, or you know, or at least something along that path. And in the back of my mind, I knew it was just me buying time until I could figure something else out. Hmm. Um, and then I, you know, I went through school, I was able to pull my grades up uh, and I graduated and I just took a job at, at a laboratory, a uh, medical device laboratory. And um, I was still not sure it was for me. I was pretty sure it wasn't, but it, it looked, it, it felt, you know, like an adult type job. And one day um, and it was a great company, you know, it was uh they were do, they were pushing the envelope in their respective field, making these special devices. And, uh, as it, I was basically like entry level. And one day I looked into the copy machine and my boss's W two was sitting there, like he was making copies for something. Yeah. And, and I was like, Oh, okay. I pick it up and I look at it. And then I realized like, this doesn't have any of what I expected. Like I'm not naturally energized to be like solving these problems. The, the monetary aspect wasn't really what I expected it would be at that kind of um, level of the career. Yeah. And then I, it kind of started. So and it's obviously not all about money, but that was just one more thing. And I, I pretty much around that time, I decided to start looking elsewhere, but I got, huh. enough, got enough skills through that job. It was very technical. I was getting exposure to databases that I stumbled into an entry level position at an e-commerce company okay. in Los Angeles, And that kind of, it was, Total luck, but it put me (laughs) in a position to meet a bunch of really kind of inspiring entrepreneurs and really uh, people that were pushing the limits on the kind of the web side of things. This was 2006, and so e-commerce was kind of a new thing. And it was just the right time, right place. And that kind of kick-started that whole whole part of my
0: career. Okay. Wow. And now, okay, so then we're talking about, you know, the uh, kind of initial break into it get the, in, into the e-commerce now job. Okay. So then where do things progress and kind of go from there? Like, okay, now I'm there, I'm working. You have this entry level by luck. I love that. I <laughs> think that's really funny. Um, where do you, how does like, there's like the the kind of the threads that I want to pull is like one, There's still the sort of like underlying, like, okay, you're making decisions, not necessarily like with still in the kind of the back of your mind of like, I want to make sure that like my parents are proud of the decisions that I'm making. So Mm -hmm. at some point you probably had to face that a little bit. So I definitely want to hear that uh, about that. But yeah, I'm sure there's just, that probably comes with like, as you are progressing to the career. So yeah, where do we go from there?
1: Yeah. Well, the the cool thing about e-commerce compared to where I was just at is, you know, um, you, it felt to me like you were, you, you ate what you killed you know, you can solve uh, it. You get rewarded for it. It wasn't about seniority. Yes. It wasn't yes. about degrees. It wasn't about, it wasn't about like necessarily office politics, at least that company. And it was very different from where I was at. With the yeah,
0: if you drive results and you show results, like you're, you're valuable. You're super valuable.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the most raw form of that other than just yes, actual
0: that's great. Is
1: entrepreneurship. And so it was like a great, you know, uh, lead into that. And um, so I was able to really grow myself in that company and I had some amazing mentors. They're still my mentors today.
0: And they gave me
1: bigger and bigger opportunities. And pretty soon I was leading my entire department. I taught myself to code. I I taught my entire team to code. We created like a internal curriculum to teach just like entry level kids basically coming out of college how how to code in Perl and Python. And we created a whole like Skunk Works project uh, within the team, and we we're writing our own prototypes. And pretty much this team that was kind of treated as like glorified data entry was we're now like creating scripts that uh, you know our engineering team had to like review and make sure like oh can we check this in or can we develop on this? <laughs> that was so cool because then you really I mean like we were talking like you start solving your own problems. Yes. You start the tools to solve your own problems. Yes. And so. It's funny now that you ask me these questions, it kind of it it kind of threads into how I got to where I am now because yeah. you're just solving these problems that exist in an organization, and then you're eventually in entrepreneurship. You're
0: just <laughs> the customers have right. Oh, that's great. That's so it's so interesting. Like to go from like yeah, technology is just I'm never gonna I'm not gonna spend any time in software to then teaching yourself how to code and teaching your entire department how to like did that. Was it coupled because like now I'm in e-commerce and this is something that I'm interested in and it's, dr- it's bringing like the inspiration out of me. So then now I want to learn this. Like, what, do, how do you, how do you account for that?
1: That's exactly it. I mean, I remember when I initially got turned off of coding, it was because they wanted everyone to basically program a calculator and I'm like, I have a calculator, I don't need
0: to program <laughs> anything. <anyone." laughs> so I need to learn that. Yeah.
1: dumb, But I didn't realize that was part of the process. But when I was at Shopzilla, which is the e commerce company or, or BizRate, yes. it was known back then, yep. uh, we didn't have processes. Like we were tapping into very advanced algorithms and we didn't have like ways to build those into our internal tool set. And pretty much it wouldn't exist unless we built it. So it was like a real motivation versus like, I've got a calculator. Why am I going to spend a whole week programming a calculator?
0: Wow. It's really interesting, just like the almost like human. Aspect of that, of like, it's the same sort of circumstance. No, it's different circumstances. It's the same sort of skill set, just a different circumstance. And like, that's the reason that got you moving in that direction. That's so interesting. That's yeah,
1: that's exactly. It. Yeah. I, I feel like that's the same way with like, even in anything like learning guitar, too. Like, I yeah. play guitar a yeah. lot of my life, but the first time I learned it, I didn't like it because I was learning all these songs that I wasn't, I didn't personally like. And the next time I tried it, my teacher would teach me songs that I liked and then of course I wanted to learn it. So I feel like, you know, teaching is just this whole other thing where, just the, the approach to it can change the results so much.
0: Yeah. That's really, it's like, it's, it this is like a random thread that just kind of popped in my head, but I think this is something that I heard from maybe Harmozi was talking about this or something, but almost like tricking yourself into being disciplined of like people might look at like learning something like that as like, Oh, you're so disciplined to do it, but it's just like you have tricked yourself into doing this or giving yourself the reason to do it. And then from the outside, it's like, Oh, you're so disciplined to go in from the gym. But it's like, if your reason to go to the gym is intrinsic to yourself and you see it and you feel it and like that's what's feeling the fire and it's not discipline it's like this is my own reason that's really really again it's just so interesting to me for sure yeah that's so cool okay so then now let's get into where Curp Hero comes into play you being like a SaaS founder a startup founder being CEO kind of like what that looks like and I know we were talking about a little bit before like that original idea also came out of similar sort of thing, like solving the problem for your wife's business, right? Like being in the mortgage business. And that's kind of where that originally started. So again, same sort of thread, experiencing a problem, noticing the problem, solving the problem. So yeah, take me through kind of like what that journey was like. Yeah. So
1: before actually creating the so Curbira started as a prototype. So I've always been a big like proof of concept prototype person. And, for people that kind of are in product management, like software product management, the whole idea of an MVP or a proof of concept—that's kind of like—that's just part of the process. Yeah, and so, um, um, there, so when I originally I met my wife Julie, who's just an amazing loan officer, and she's always been looked at as you know from a branding and marketing standpoint and a, and a production standpoint, just really on top of her game. Great. Um, great. I was I was an executive at Live Nation on the Ticketmaster division. So another. Whoa. Yeah. So that was what I was doing immediately before. You know, there were a lot of little twists and turns. I was able to get some international experience. I was at a startup in London. I moved there for a couple of years.
0: Dude, rad.
1: Yeah. So that was, and then, you know, we're, we're both based in Southern California. Let me tell you, like, you will never love Southern California more than after (laughs) you spend like an entire winter in London. (laughs) (laughs) There's a new appreciation.
0: Uh, that's great.
1: That's great. <laughs> so yeah, after that, I came back and um, yeah, I was able to uh, take a, a very exciting position at Live Nation, solving some really big problems in the ticketing world. Um, but when I met my wife, I realized that on in the mortgage and real estate space, there, was, there are a lot of great tools, but it just seemed like from a software standpoint and a software as a service standpoint, they were just lacking some of the basics that I thought were just like table stakes in any other industry, like especially e-commerce. Yeah, and so we just started tinkering with different ideas that could help her business and things mm. that like follow up and um, just kind of getting systems talking to each other a little bit better, so you have more context to do things like follow up. Yep, uh, and then just basic stuff where I was just like, "Why are realtors still using pen and paper in open house? It's <laughs> crazy to me because just you know." They're, these are significant purchases. These are home buyers that are very motivated. They're taking their time out of their weekends to go visit these properties.
0: Dude, yes. And the,
1: and the agents taking their whole weekend and sometimes you know days in advance just to prepare everything, and then days after to follow up and everything. And right. Th- these leads were being squandered. Like these people walking in the house, they're, they're leads, and you know they're 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 looking at a, in many cases, a million plus dollar purchase. And we saw this firsthand when we were even buying our home after we got married, it was just, I remember counting 50 open houses we went to as as home buyers and only one person had any digital way of capturing. Wow.
0: Wow. That's (laughs) significant.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, it's funny, you you just keep keep coming back to scratching your own itch kind of. And so. That's all it is. (laughs) Yeah. And so we saw that there was a problem there. And so we created a proof of concept It wasn't even its own standalone app. We used an an existing form app that's available on iOS and Android. And we basically said, hey, let's just create an open house sign-in out of this and give this to our real estate agents and say, if you want to, you can use this. It's going to capture everything digitally, no more bad handwriting. And, <laughs> which which was a, which is another big problem because, you know, handwriting, it's just gotten worse over time. I don't think it's being mm-hmm. like, first business <laughs> 100%. yeah, and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe it's not as important as it was, but, and also when people are getting into the mode of like signing in on a form, their handwriting automatically gets a lot worse than it normally is.
0: Of course. Uh,
1: so it, yeah, it just all adds to that kind of wasted opportunity that real estate agents and, and Funny side story is we ended up buying our property and our agent was one we met at an open house. Even though Julie has been in the mortgage industry for 20 years and knows a bunch of agents, we just ended up hitting it off with an agent we met at an open house. Right. And so that, you know, that was a pretty big win for that agent from a prospecting standpoint. And so for us, it kind of connected all the dots, like wasted opportunity on the lead capture a tremendous opportunity if you can convert one of these people. Yes. And he didn't have to pay a dime for us as a lead. He just needed to be there on a Saturday and meet 100%. us.
0: 100%. That's so interesting.
1: So that's kind of how, how we at least found out there was a problem. Uh, and then we just created this proof of concept, which was one of many proof of concepts we had in flight with her mortgage business. And Okay, cool. And that's kind of like, that's and eventually iteration, iteration, and
0: you know, right. it became
1: Curve and there's a bunch of learnings along the way for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, like, I going back to kind of like almost like the, the, I don't want to even call it like funnel, but like the, the thinking about from like a marketing perspective, right? Like making a human connection and then the efficiency of being able to like capture the information. And I'm through, I'm sure just like through a Zapier integration, right? You guys just have it going into like a CRM. So that's so cool. It's like making a connection on the front end, which that person isn't spending any marketing dollars for. It's just doing normal, basic prospecting, like best practices of just being shown face and connecting with somebody, but not having to like go home that night and organize everything. And then try to remember like, what was this person? What were the notes? Like you can just get it all right then. And then come home and like you have some basic information on these people and you can send a personalized follow-up or you can put them on a drip sequence or you can start to follow up from there. Like so many people, because like, again, this is my industry, right? So I, I've just, I love this types of like solving this type of problem. Because one, like sometimes it can be boring to talk about loans and mortgages. Like it's just, is it's not fun to like go through all that process. And some of like the marketing is very outdated and kind of archaic. And yeah. then the systems themselves are almost in that sense. So we talk about like, so many people are like, I need to increase my lead generation, right? Like I need to get more leads. It's like, do you, or do you need to like improve your systems a little bit so that like there's no holes, right? Like plug in the gaps. Like that was, it's always the the path that I take people through when I'm thinking about this stuff is like, we are building the machine and it's almost like building the infrastructure of like drain pipes. And as yeah. you have more things coming in, like if there is a leaky drain in that, like if there's a leaky pipe, like it's just going to fall apart. Like You got to think about it from traffic to capturing to conversion, to following up to closing, all those little steps and having tools and systems and people in place and having a process in place. Thinking about your business is almost like, being that business owner, think about it from a macro perspective rather than just like, yeah, I show up to open houses and this is what I do. Like, I think that's so, so powerful, man. So, so yeah, powerful. totally, totally. And it's funny now that, so
1: I, I make it a practice to talk to agents all the time. I probably talk to between 500, 1,000 agents every month.
0: No uh, way. Do you really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, this is awesome. just part of the product development process and we, we take their feedback, you know, and we we review all of the feedback and we try and incorporate as much of it as we can into the product. Um, but as to your Love point, man. you know, like the the leaky the leaky plumbing.
0: like
1: yeah. I talk to agents and they'll say, Oh yeah, I got forty people to sign in through Curb Hero. Amazing. I'm like, Well yeah, how did it go? How did the follow up go? Uh, because you know, Curb Hero has limited follow up within it, but you can yeah. connect it to Zapier and, and your CRM and do a of course more.
0: Right. And a lot of agents,
1: especially when they're just starting with Probeiro, they don't connect it all the way through. And, I, and I'll talk to, them, talk to someone and like,
0: you know what? I never followed up with them. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you, you have a problem. problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny.
0: Yes. I mean, that's like, oh, man, that's literally, that's because my, I, what I think like my superpower is, is always like keeping the trains moving. Like I just, I can think about it from like a logical, analytical, and almost like engineering kind of perspective. But then I think what makes us like good business owners or good marketers is like being then empathetic to the customer journey of what, what it's going to be like for the customer path on their end of like, what's their experience now interacting with me and my business, yeah. man, that's so cool. I really, really love that. And so there's, there's kind of two ways that I want to talk about this, like our two areas that I want to go from here. First being sort of the, how did you guys like originally grow Curb Hero? Like now talking about just from almost like a startup business, kind of like, like growing a SaaS business, like what was your guys' kind of like initial ways to like bring people to the platform and like get the initial kind of customer base? What was that process like?
1: So it was it was very difficult. And yeah. and this is one of those hindsight 2020 things. I was just listening to a SaaS pod, podcast yesterday. Um and one of the pieces of advice, the his name's Rob Walling. He has a mm-hmm. he has a, he has a a fund for SaaS and he's, he's exited a few. Pretty significant SaaS company of his own, just really, really sharp guy. But he gave this advice, which I wish I had in the early days of Curb Hero, which is <laughs> because Curb is free for agents, but lenders pay a subscription fee to pair with agents. So, got it. Yep, uh, it's got the dynamics of a two sided marketplace essentially. Yep, and uh, the advice that I got years too late was that <laughs> do not build a two sided marketplace unless, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> unless you can represent one of the sides.
0: Oh, no. Uh,
1: <laughs> And so, yeah, with two sided markets, uh, places, the problem initially is what's called the cold start problem, which is it's a chicken and egg and you need to at least have the control over one side in order to ensure the other side. Yeah. Can grow. And so that's, that was the slow start to curb Europe, but what really started getting traction mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. the fact that we were basically competing on three different platforms for, for attention, um, which was Google SEO and the Apple App Store and the Android App Store the Google Play Store. And luckily, the keyword competition for the two app stores was not very difficult. And so we were able to at least over a few months start ranking. And we would really, this was another kind of selfish part of our product processes. I would ask the agents that were using Curve Bureau for feedback on how how it can be better. And as soon as they said, there's nothing i would improve on it i'm like boom please give us a review and yeah. that way that would help that but it was very slow growth um, and 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 we still i'm proud that most of our traffic or our user acquisition is still organic but it was it, it was very slow to start
0: that's really interesting. I mean, it's I think it's a testament to because that's always where like my mind goes with something like this. It's like, okay, great. I've done this. It's cuz again, we were talking about it from the from the, uh before we started recording, like the first thing that I learned was paid ads, right? Like learning Facebook ads. And so when that's like the kind of one skill in your tool belt, it's like that's your hammer and everything's a nail and you're just like, okay, great. Run ads, run ads, right? But for this like it was it was a question that I wanted to ask you cuz I think that's a testament to Building a good product, like building a good product and actually solving a problem. And then if you are solving a problem and you're getting reviews or like one agent tells two or three agents and they tell their team and then you grow that way. But like, you don't get that type of like exponential growth in that sense. If the product itself, if you didn't take the time to really build it from the very beginning, like built a stronger foundation. Yeah, so That's a really interesting way to, I mean, again, like that's, I mean, I'm sure you're not, are you even spending mo- like money on paid ads to like acquire customers or has it been mostly organic? It's been mostly organic
1: and we we dabbled in paid ads. And yeah. if we found the right formula, um, and we should talk offline potentially, <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's not my strong suit, I can right. that much. But yep. if we found the right formula, I would I would love to see how, how well that works with our economics. But yeah, of course, yeah, it's just difficult because it's very competitive for paid ads on like let's say Facebook yeah. and even Google SEM and and for us, there's a lot that needs to happen before a kind of a new it's not just a click and a purchase, it's a click and account create, it's usage within the app. And that that's a longer road as, as the road gets longer, it's more difficult to quantify and then back into like what the ROI is. And so it's just never penciled out. But I think we're gonna continue to try. It's just we need to figure out how to maybe just structure our experimentation on it.
0: That's all it is. It's always just like kind of cracking the, or cracking the code on that a little bit. Cause I think for a product like this, right? Like people need to do some sort of like demo or see it or feel it before like they're totally jumping all the way in. And so like spending ads on like acquiring eyeballs like can be difficult. So you're, you're the pain for like time or money, right? Like you're either spending money to get in front of people and paying for the eyeballs or you take the time to, I don't know, maybe do like organic content and like put more right. out there and like do the time to demo. And then like, yeah, it's maybe a slower kind of burn, but it's probably similar to like, Referrals and word of mouth and are growing in that sense is like, if you get that right, the foundation is very, very secure almost in that sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to your point around referrals, yeah, that's where I think we are. We're leaning into much more now, which is just our affiliate program and getting, it seems like this is a naturally viral product. Agents are seeing other agents use it. We've got this QR code set of features, which also attracts other agents' attention.
0: Great, Love that. And so it's like,
1: okay, well, agents are naturally going to have a conversation about it too. Can, is there any kind of catalyst we can throw in there, like a little referral bonus to get that conversation started more and
0: deeper? Right. On the monetization structure, like having like the, having like the lender side of it kind of paying for like the agent sponsorship, like I'm there's a tool that I'm familiar with and I'm sure you know with HomeBot, right? They take, they take a similar sort of approach, right? Like the agent is sponsored by the lender and that's how they get access to like kind of both sides of it. Um yeah, I mean, is that still the approach now? Like, what does that kind of look like? Like, um, is that kind of, you know, again, like just your guys' monetization structure? Like, that's how you guys are still rocking with right with right now?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the the agent can use the product for free, they can pair with a lender, and they can uh-huh. unlock new features when they pair with the lender. Got it. Uh, and so initially, that's how 100% of the lenders got on the platform. Is the agent, found out about Curb Hero, used it, loved it, then said, I want to get my lender on board so I can unlock these new features. Now we're seeing lenders that are taking a proactive approach where they're saying, Hey, I know a bunch of my agents are, you know, not really making the most of either their open house prospecting, or, you know, they're, if they're doing a geographic farm or they're doing mailers, they're not using QR codes. So they're not getting the digital leads, um, coming through and lenders are bringing this to agents and agents that have these problems are getting pretty excited about it. And it kind of accrues to goodwill for the lender. Yes. Uh, and so that, that's cool to see too. Now, so we have both sides of them. We we've, we've come a long way from the chicken and egg problem. And now, both <laughs> and egg going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, right. That's great because when I like when I put like a, I'll put a structure, or a system, or almost operation in place for some of the lenders, like the yellows and the brokers that I work with, that have either you know agents that they're currently working with, and we just systematize the way that they are receiving opportunities from them. Like that's what we use Bonzo a lot for that that CRM platform. But uh, some and then people go to like, okay, how can I then acquire, you know, more referral partners. And I think this would be a really good value add as being like, Hey, like this is this platform you, you know, if we team up and you get access to this, like, cause that is a little bit more giving some, like an LO to reach out to a realtor rather than just like, Hey, you want to have coffee? Do you want to have a conversation? Like some people just feel so uncomfortable making those types of conversations, but if you're from it of like, I am solving a problem for their business. It's the same sort of thing of like, I understand problems of my ideal client and this ideal client in that sense is a referral partner or a realtor. And you're positioning sure. it and you're making that type of marketing. I mean, it's the same sort of deal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you're just bringing something
1: additional of value to the to the table. I mean, if you want, you can still have the coffee, you know, but yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, for loan officers, you know, there, there's a, there's a whole process around, you know, engaging and developing rapport with a new agent. And awesome. And so much of it is just these kind of, you know, these just relationship building techniques. But then if you come in and you're each step of the way, you're solving a problem that, you know, the agent has. Or even if they don't have, and they just know that you're making an effort to like understand their business and how they can be valuable in it, Like, yeah, I feel like it's much further.
0: It's really interesting because it's almost like that's on both sides of like, let's like from a broker LO perspective, you have like both sides of like direct to consumer kind of client acquisition and then client acquisition from like a realtor referral side. And on the same sense it's like, oh, I... Like going back to your example, right? It's like I have forty people sign up, and like you didn't follow up, and it's like I had forty people, like I called forty realtors, and it's like oh, you didn't follow up, right? Or like there's it's systems yeah. on both ends. It's like because I've always like when I when I talk to clients, it's like you can grow your business in two ways: you can acquire more clients, or you can make your current clientele more profitable. So on a realtor, but it's like I can do more deals with my current referral partners, and it's like okay, how do you do more deals with them? It's like well, help them grow their business, and it's like what problems are they solving? here's a really powerful tool, go and do that. Like, it's literally as simple as that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, and and I, it is cool because I didn't realize that that dynamic could exist until I started working more closely in real estate and mortgage, where you're seeing really savvy lenders, they're going in and they're like, they're part of the agent's team, whether it's their, you know, they're giving them support for their graphic design or in, in the case of HomeBot and Curb Hero, you know, you're mm-hmm. giving them software support and services that help their business. But it's cool because I don't know, in Other cases in other industries where that kind of um, partnership really exists and it's yeah. for mutual benefit.
0: Hundred percent. You know what's really interesting about this too, and like this is something that I've always. So I was at a traffic seminar a couple of weeks ago. Perry Marshall had put on a big traffic seminar, and so I was there a couple of weeks ago. and We were talking about updated paid traffic seminar or strategies, and we were talking a lot about AI and and um, and that type of you know machine learning all that stuff coming out. I definitely want to pick your brain and talk about that a little bit. But one of the things that was like a, a reoccurring theme was sort of like. Interdisciplinary type of understanding from like different, call it like unrelated industries, right? So, like your experience from just like software or let's just call it like code and tech and e commerce, and using that to then have an impact in like the mortgage and real estate space of like what you learn from that industry and then taking it to here, like it gives you just like almost a different perspective of like coming in and being like, oh, I'm seeing similarities between like what I noticed with that industry and what's when I'm coming in with this. And then being able to like have a fresh or different perspective or build a product that's unique because what you're coming in is like, well, I have the industry knowledge from like my wife who's in this day-to-day and she's in the day-to-day so I can understand what she's doing. But I also am coming from the, like my know-how of just an unrelated sort of industry. Like that's really interesting too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how it happened. And it's funny. So mm-hmm. I, what I originally did was like, you know, you mentioned like with a paid ads background, like when you have your only tools a to hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yeah. That, that's the way I thought about it with e-commerce, which was actually beneficial because real estate and mortgage could use some of the kind of e-commerce tactics that were table stakes. Uh, and now it's kind of flipped around where I'm like thinking about other industry problems that can be solved with like this, a similar approach to what we've learned with Curb So it's just, I guess it's all part of just this process of just developing your ideas.
0: Totally, man. There's a really good book on it called The Medici Effect. I know I've talked about it on this podcast before, but the Medici's were the Italian Banky family that sponsored the Renaissance, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. the Renaissance was just this big exploration and like explosion of architecture and art and music and painting and all the, and like, that book ex, like, explores how someone might have like a chemistry background, but they're also like in culinary. And it's like there are things that come together and like how they develop a unique service or a product beyond that because of those different types of like, they're they're able to see patterns or similarities that like not and not somebody else would be able to see because they're just either too close or they just don't have that type of like um inspiration or you know same sort of like influence on it but so this is a question that I um that I've had and I and I you touched on it a little bit but it's similar to what I I asked Jason Perkins this from Bonzo and I asked Paul Act this from Lead Pops and like this is something that I always am curious about from like you being a CEO like how are you able to how are you able to like keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industry of like what you're solving for, like your own clientele being like the real estate market, but also staying close to like the problems that are happening in your business. Like, cause you talked on it, like, you're like I'm making my calls out to agents, So you're able mm-hmm. to like kind of keep your finger on the pulse in that sense. But like, that's always what I think about from like a CEO is like, it must be so difficult to like stay as like the organization that you've built grows, the team grows. So you're like trying to stay, within that and make sure that like you guys are reaching objectives but also stay (laughs) current with what's happening like in your industry like how do you approach that how do you solve for that
1: well yeah it's it's a thank you for even putting me in the same category as as lead pops and bonzo because you know they're they're definitely further along in their journey uh lead pops especially you know they they are pretty much uh standard name in 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 marketing for loan officers and so you know, th- this problem is probably more exaggerated where they're sitting. You know, those those CEOs, um, we have a small team. I'm in every software meeting. We have daily okay. software meetings, so I'm connected. We're, you know, we're getting into the minutiae. I mean, that's also one of the things that I enjoy doing is like making products that are really easy to use. And with real estate and mortgage, it's actually required because the more difficult you make it to use, you pretty much like 10x your support volume. <laughs> right. So you kind of have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think... Well, the hard the hard part is time management. It's always going to okay. be the, the main factor, and so yeah, it's uh, it's just about knowing where to spend your time. And, and I, I I can only relate to those problems from when I've had bigger teams in the past, when I've worked in bigger companies, and it's right. really that's where you know process and communication and those kind of um habits being built into the system just need to be working well in order for uh, you know a CEO or, or a high-level manager that's removed from the actual conversation of decisions to actually still have some amount of um kind of control or at least oversight into those decisions yeah. Um, yeah i'm not fortunate enough to be removed from a lot of those i'm just in the midst you know we're, <laughs> we're we're talking about like oh you know the padding between these buttons is a little bit too tight you think we can bump it over 10 pixels like <laughs> i'm in that conversation here yeah. you might you might find me in in uh, canva doing the design every once in a while like...
0: <laughs> i love that i love that though because like i think that's part of it of like being close to the business still and like treating it like it's your own. I mean, I, I think that's, I think it's really, really, again, I think it's cool of like being inside of it and like still, I mean, that's, that's always what I'm so curious about. Cause I think it's, it is so much of a business problem that like, whether you are a product business or you're running a SaaS business or you're in commerce or you're doing a service, like no matter what it is, is like as the business grows, as you take on more responsibility, it's always fighting for like what is the is the thing that I'm spending my time on like essential? Is it this the best use of my time? And being able to I mean, like it's always like team and delegation, but it's something that like I, I I like to ask that question because I know what holds me back is still very much thinking of like, I need to be the one to do this and everything. Right. And so like now putting myself up a bit a little bit and like systematizing the process and training somebody on how to do it like that's the next step for me as the entrepreneur but like you get so i want to hold on to it right but your experience i'm sure with like having a big team like again that gave you reps and like trained you for now like being in a position now where like now you're building a a team like that's again it goes back to you having like that experience before and it was almost like preparing you for something that like you didn't even know was going to exist yet that's so cool
1: yeah, yeah, and and I think you know with with Julie, who's my wife's business, she was a army of one for yeah vast yeah. majority of her career. But and it's because she had that idea of like no one can ever do it as good as me, and she was right. right. Yes, but when that prevents you from like getting people that can do it good enough mm-hmm. and being able to scale how you scale your overall business, and not only that, pick the things that you enjoy doing the most and right. delegate the things you enjoy less, even if you know they're like. On a scale of 100, they're not going to be done 100 out of 100 like you would. But if you can, if you can tolerate 80 and know that that person can get close to like 95 over time, then it's like,
0: yeah, 100%. there's trade-offs either way. I love it. Oh, so what, like, what is what is on your guys' roadmap? What is coming next? Are you guys mm-hmm. thinking about like the AI and the machine learning? Is that getting integrated in? Like, I'm sure you guys have so many things that you guys want to develop. Like, yeah, what's what's on the horizon? What are you thinking about? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot, I mean, as a, as a product person, you're just
1: constantly just thinking of new ideas and my, I have a whole set, I use Asana for all of our management or like okay. that's one of the ways that I stay like the communication just flows through the team is through Asana. Um, and we have a huge roadmap, but I think right now, uh, we are doing a lot to equip bigger teams to use Curb Hero. Okay. Um, so we started with kind of single player mode, Um, But as you kind of work through your SaaS journey, you want to get into multiplayer mode where, you know, there's more revenue, there's bigger problems to solve. Um, And the individual single players that started with you can actually get more value out of the product because, you know, there are those network effects, you know, even though real estate is in some ways a very solo, um, you know, solo businesses, there are listings and there's brand guidelines and there's graphics templates that teams can share. And the more easily they can share them, you know, there's all kinds of benefits that that teams can have. So team features—that's something we're working on, and we're experimenting a lot with AI. You know, I, I have a background, um, not not through college or um, academics, but I've self-taught myself in a lot of different machine learning libraries with Python, which is that
0: okay, one. cool.
1: So yeah, then in Live Nation with uh, the, the whole ticket scalping problem, I was able to build some pretty cool uh, machine learning solutions and uh yeah so we've been dabbling a lot with with that there's there's so much that's possible um just i think what's happening right now with the amount of leads that people are getting through curve hero the ability to use generative ai to summarize what what information is coming through because yeah you get 40 leads but now you have to pour through 40 people's like let's say this is a really real problem that agents have after you know, an, an entire open house weekend, you get 40 plus leads and you know, that Monday morning you probably can't make direct phone calls to all 40 yeah. and you need to prioritize which 40 you're going to follow up with. Right. There, you can create an Excel spreadsheet with a pivot table and then create if then statements uh-huh. to decide, okay, this person doesn't have a realtor. This one said their time frame to buy and then like create your own thing. Or you can basically have an AI summarize your entire weekend of leads and use external factors like, hey, we, we we actually detected they gave a fake email address. This one
0: actually
1: <laughs> <laughs> all the all those details coming in. And I think we can save agents and lenders a lot of time and just kind of deciding through all the leads that come through Hero, which ones are most valuable for them to do the direct follow-up on and which ones they can just use their CRM and drip marketing to, to follow
0: up with. Man, that is awesome. Segmenting data that way. And again, you're you're just getting you're curating your message to that that prospect at that point, which is really just like what marketing is. is is like the right message at the right time to the right prospect and then meeting it that way. But then there's just so much like efficiency and leverage and creating, like not only like coupling the software and the systems on the back end, but also like being able to then even increase like your ability to then sift through that data at an even like quicker rate, man, that's so cool. I love the way that you guys are thinking about that. That is so, so cool.
1: Yeah. It's, it's uh, with, with everything that's happening on the AI side, it's, it's, it's very cool from a user feature standpoint, but like, I don't know about your just regular internal workflows. Like you, if you're using AI a lot to make things more streamlined, and I, I think that's super exciting as well.
0: Yeah, I'm using it. I am Like my, my big uh, project manager that I work out of is Notion. So Notion's like uh, integration with AI is like, man, it's so cool. And it's just so wild, wild to see like some of the things that are popping up for sure yeah i was
1: it uh, de- seems like notion was like day one using a lot of open ais yeah Thanks, so man. very cool man
0: super cool okay i want to spend like the last 10 minutes or so talking about like not like we don't even need to be like business and software and tech i think we got pretty deep into that stuff which was so fun to like be able to <laughs> man like i said from the jump like talking softwares and systems and like tech and like making these things speak to each other and thinking about like customer journey and like getting into the weeds is so fun. I love that stuff. But something that I wanted, like that I I always like to pick just entrepreneurs brains on and thinking about, cause like, so I, again, like I said, part of like my mission behind this was almost some of the problems that I experienced as an entrepreneur. I want to be able to bounce it off of people that I, you know are doing things at a higher level to have a little bit more experience, not only professionally, but just personally too, like just life. And one of the things that I keep coming back to is like, How to think better? It's what like that's the that's the thing that I have that's rattling around in my mind is like how do I think? How do I improve my thinking ability? Right? Like at some point, like you can't just work more hours and like just grind your way to it because like it's just it's a race to the bottom in that sense. So it's like okay, how do I think my way to the solution and how do I ask better questions to get to the answers that I'm trying to get to? And so part of like the feedback that I've gotten from you know people that are in my network, mentors as well, is like get out from behind the computer and like go mm. do things that don't like always like stimulate the left side of your brain like go do right brain types of activities paint and you, you mentioned like you do the guitar right so like can you talk to me about just like that side of your life almost in a sense like are you a journaler? do you meditate i know you talked about like you know you surf not too far from where i am right now you do guitar like what does that side of your life look like because i think it has a real big effect into how you then show up in your business, right? And the solutions that you come up with, like the problems that you can then take to the team and then you start to implement. So like, what does that, what does that sort of look like for you? Yeah, I think,
1: so I don't do journaling or any structured meditation. I, there was two years in a row where my new resolution was to meditate at least once a week. Okay, Uh, But then I also, I have a hard time kind of carving out that space on a regular basis, which is also... I, I don't end up doing journaling or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But what I've found works is just even if you can't do it at the same time every week, just finding time. And it's usually for me, at least it's like, it's gotta be 45 minutes plus like 45 minutes to maybe an hour and a half or two hours. If I, if I can be that lucky on a, on a given week <laughs> and, and just not having like, yeah, like you said, not being in front of the screen, potentially being out for a walk, even if it's for, with my daughter, cause she's like two years old. And so she, I can push her in a stroller and we just walk around and just look. And it's when you have this kind of unstructured, um, this unstructured time with unstructured thoughts, that's where it's funny, where you can, you can actually stumble on a really interesting business idea or just yeah. a growth <laughs> idea. And then it's like the, then that can be something that you just log down later and, you can make that part of your, your workflow. That's how I've kind of stumbled into some pretty cool ideas. And I've also heard there's an entrepreneur named Syed Balki. Okay. Uh, and he he runs a massive company that's in the WordPress space. Nice. And he's just like a juggernaut in WordPress and SEO. Um, and he's got a bunch of different companies under his belt. But I, I was at a conference and he was mentioning that every few weeks or so, he basically takes an entire day or maybe it's the entire half of a day tells his team like this is you can't you can't reach me at this time like i don't think he even has a device on him he has like a chair and a notebook and he just sits there and i think he calls it thinking time or something
0: like that yeah right
1: and that's probably a luxury for most people to have a half day um in a given week but he said like he's come up with like crazy high-level strategic decisions that were total wins um through that thinking time and he'll admit that you know there were some some misses as well but yeah it's kind of <laughs> cool how just like not keeping a screen in front of you and all the distractions i can come with that you can just stumble on some pretty cool stuff
0: man that's really really cool i really like that that type of feedback and then like because again like i've said that's my that's like the question that is rattling around in my head is like how do i think how do i think better and again like the feedback that i've gotten i've i've been listening to a lot of stuff sort of on this like the the reoccurring theme seems to be something like that of like taking a half a day, like once once a month, right? Like going and shutting yourself out for a weekend. And something that I've been hearing lately, there was a podcast that I was listening to. I think it's called Twenty One VC or something like that. But it was, uh, man, his uh, Scooter Braun, right? The music manager of uh, Justin Bieber, and, and um, he's you know gotten into like the private equity and like investing space, and he talked about like. Everybody I encourage, like put your phone down and go for a week. Again, that's like a pretty big luxury, but like shut yourself out for a week. And I just did a podcast with Perry and he talked about a similar thing. He called the doing heart work, like mm-hmm. going, and, like just taking a journal, taking a book and just go and shut all that off. And like, just, and I think it's like a think and grow rich thing of like people lock themselves in a dark room and just like, write And see kind of what comes up it. But like, there's something about going for a walk or doing something that, something like that without an agenda and just sort of seeing where your mind goes with it. Right. Like, I think. Jerry Seinfeld was one that like would just show up for an hour every day. And just, this is an hour where I just write and I don't necessarily have to like be writing, but I just sit there and like, this is the only time that I do it. Cause like what I battle with. And I think what a lot of people experience sometimes is like, as your business grows, your time becomes more of a, like people need more of it. Right. And so like when you're just getting started, you don't necessarily have like a lot of responsibility or obligation. You have more time or like, boredom Mm. to like think and like you come with a lot of ideas and then all of a sudden it works and now like what got you the success you're not able to do anymore because so much of your time is now being zapped up by like things growing and so like you don't have as much time like protecting taylor welch calls it like protecting your margin in your life right like making sure that like you pencil that in to like continue to think and solve through those problems that's so cool that's really 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 cool
1: yeah, actually one, one learning I had yesterday, which is along these same lines. So I've been doing this thing for about four months now. I, it's, I think it's probably well documented. I just kind of created my own version of it. It's called time blocking where you basically, you set aside, you, you, you've you kind of decided here are the most important things that I need to spend my time on and here's time that I'm focusing on it and you're trying your best not to let anything get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for example, I have a, an hour every week where I just think about like future state technology things that we need to be thinking about, whether it's like upgrading our QA automation suite or AI and how we can use, you know, open AP, uh, open AI's APIs, or whatever the most important technology problems are or, or future state technology decisions could be. But then I found that with one hour, it wasn't enough time to detach my brain from whatever I was doing before and then mm-hmm. like get deep into that and then get ready to, to get back into like the normal grind and then, you know, it was just not enough space. And so yesterday I took, I, I basically moved my schedule around. So I got a, f- a full two hours nice. just in that. And I felt like the amount of thinking I could get with that, it was, it was like, it was, it wasn't two times. It felt like it was three, four times as much yes. real, like, yeah, solid thinking. And and I think when you really have deep, deeper problems like that to think about, uh, you know, it's not completely less or unstructured, but at least you accept you kind of created more space to really get deep and you're not under such a tight time constraint.
0: For sure, cause that's like creative thinking and it's hard to be like, all right brain, go click on and like be creative. Like that's, I've always, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, I've always given like any like graphic designers anybody that I've ever worked with like in that space I've always give like so much like praise to cause like it for like when you're doing like a systems and like it's a zap, like I have to build like a zap flow for somebody, right? And they're like, hey, do this thing. And I'm like, okay, great, this is like that's very easy, like that's logical. But if I have to go to someone and be like, Hey, create me like a graphic or a logo. And I'm just like, be creative on demand. Like that has got to be one of the hardest things to do. (laughs) Like I always give those people so much praise. So, um, man, that's, I really like that too. One of the things that I used to do in the past, I, I fell out of it for a little while, but I probably I'm thinking about trying it again. Are you familiar with like sensory deprivation tanks or float therapy at all? I've never tried it, but I, I've heard about it. Yeah, dude, I I was doing it like really consistently a couple of years ago. It started with like, I got into a kind of unfortunate like car accident and I had some just like like body pains and like got into it. And I just remember the very first time I did it, it was only an hour and I was like, so afraid to put my phone down for an hour and just being like, gosh, like I can't even like unplug. Like, this is a problem. It was like a Saturday too. And I was like, I can't even put my phone down on Saturday. Like, goodness gracious. That was cause I remember I would do like 60, 90 minutes where you just, that's legit dark. Like that's black. Like you're, you are everywhere and nowhere is always the way that I explained it. Cause like can't hear anything, can't feel anything. You're just in a, you can't like, it's just total darkness in there. That is a wild, um, like, way to just shut it off, but you come back feeling just like, all right, like you go in there, the world shuts off for a while. You just have your own space to like focus on what it is that you want to think about. And you come back with, I've always, like, I'd always come out of that, like, feeling a lot of gratitude for life, just being like, wow, look at all the colors and like, look how nice it is out here. <laughs> but then also yeah. like coming up with solutions about business. Like, that was, yeah, maybe I should try that again. That's so funny.
1: Yeah, I, I think I need, I think I might need to give that a shot, man. It's there's like, a place, it's not- yeah,
0: this place is not too far from us right now. It's a, I'll do that right before I do my
1: ayahuasca trip. <laughs> <laughs> that's the journey. <laughs> that's exactly right.
0: That's exactly right. Okay, I got I got two more questions for you and then I'll let you jam. Mm-hmm. Um if you could go back to like someone that is in like the startup kind of SaaS business like you kind of thought thought about like, you know, some of the advice that you got like a couple of years too late. What's like a learning advice that you would give to somebody that is like starting kind of looking at like I want to be a successful startup founder sort of SaaS business? What's like a piece of advice you would give to someone?
1: so i think if you're like me where you don't have that entrepreneurial bug from day one and you're not sure when you can pull the trigger on something like that i think i think it was a previous guest uh perry marshall you had on which he was i think he was talking about the different phases of entrepreneurship and i think one of the first phases is where you're 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 basically working for somebody else yeah and and making that decision, like, when am I ready to graduate from that to like, I'm gonna bet on myself and really take a big risk. I think that's it, I think that now you can probably be in that in-between space where you, you have the security of working for someone else, but you're also kind of hacking away on your own independent idea in the background. And you just need to you know it, it, it takes time and dedication, but it's totally possible now. Um, and I feel like that's something I wish I did earlier on. Um, and I think I probably would have pulled the trigger much sooner and just had all these different ideas I was hacking on. Uh, and they're, they're great for proof of concepts too, because if you see traction in them, then that'll just give you more confidence to kind of go in and, and bet on yourself. Um, the other thing that I think is what you're doing, which is, I feel like you're making a very intentional decision to like, improve yourself and you're you're reaching out to people that you know you're learning from a little bit and like perry marshall for example it seems like you had already been part of some of his programs and then you just got him on your podcast (laughs) you basically got a a one-on-one coaching session (laughs) and i feel like that kind of dedication to self-development that's like huge that's something i wish i did so much like that's my biggest regret from like an early stages um standpoint um yeah i think those would be two two things i would approve about
0: that's really, really valuable. I love that. Yeah, you're right. Like I, this, like this podcast is so cool. Cause like I get to have like a, cause this is the type of format that like I operate best in. It's just a long form conversation. Like we just did an hour and like that just flew, right? Like that was nothing. And like, it's so, I love these types of just free flowing where wherever the conversation goes and you're hundred percent right. Like it's, this is selfish for me. Cause I get to have like these types of conversations, but it's also like, it feeds my soul. Cause then I can put this out there and be like, if, it, if anybody else is experiencing my problems, or we can keep somebody of like, Hey, here's some of the mistakes that I made and they improve themselves. Like, hopefully they are just doing better and better. Cause that's the last question that I have is like, what's your advice to your, on a personal side, like to your 25, 26 year old self, like fighting, like going through that and has like these aspirations and has these dreams. Like, what would you go back and tell yourself at that age now?
1: Can I, can I cuss on this podcast? You absolutely, (laughs) you absolutely can. I do go back and tell myself, stop fucking around and wasting your time. You know, like I, I feel like I wasted a lot of time back then. And, um, I, in a lot of ways, I felt like I had to work extra hard, especially like, I feel like 25 is when I turned the corner, mm-hmm. but I felt like from 25 to 35, I was working extra hard to make up for the slacking I did in my, you know, early twenties. And, uh, yeah, I feel like there was wasted opportunities there and, um, yeah, I feel like time is the one non-renewable resource. And yes. so it's it's in the, one of the f- phrases that I've heard a lot is, you know, you spend the first part of your career learning, the second part earning, and the third part returning. And I feel <laughs> like 25-year-old me, yeah, he was clacking off on the learning part. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great, dude. I, well, there you have it. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Okay, anybody that I like is, wants to work and get closer with you guys and like and get involved with curb hero how can they go about working with you guys
1: yeah uh you can go to curb hero uh, c-u-r-b-h-e dot r-o uh, spelled a funny way but you can also just google Curb hero uh, and you can also email me at a-j-a-y at curb hero
0: love it dude thank you again so much for being on this was an absolute blast really really appreciate it um anybody that's watching on youtube give us a like don't forget to subscribe watching on uh, or listen on uh, any of the podcast platforms leave us a review To all my builders out there, I salute you, and I will see you guys all in the next episode. Thank you.